Hi everybody, welcome to the Game Before the Money podcast, celebrating pro and college football history. This episode, a brief history of the Love Ya Blue era Houston Oilers. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Game Before the Money podcast. I'm Jackson Michael, author of The Game Before the Money, Voices of the Men Who Built the NFL. That's published by the University of Nebraska Press. And I have a brand new book out called Red, White, and Columbia Blue, Chasing the Dream with the 1979 Houston Oilers. Both books are on Amazon.com and are available as both books and ebooks. You can visit Houston79.com to learn more about the new book, Red, White, and Columbia Blue. And we're going to feature some of the Houston Oilers players from that time period on this podcast. And you'll hear some great stories and memories from them. A couple of quick notes before delving in. I just want to say to our regular listeners, I'd like to apologize for not getting podcasts out every week like I usually do. Sorry to keep you waiting. It's been a bit longer to get some of these productions together, and I'm just a one-man production crew. But I appreciate your patience, as lately, it seems I'm putting one out every two weeks instead of every week. And it might be that way while I get caught up, and I really appreciate everybody's patience while I get these together. And also one quick note to some of you younger listeners out there about the Houston Oilers. The Houston Oilers are now known as the Tennessee Titans. I've met a few younger fans who aren't old enough to remember the Oilers and think that the Houston Texans were once the Oilers, but the Oilers moved to Tennessee and are now known as the Tennessee Titans. In this episode, we're going to take a look at a very special team, the Love You Blue era Houston Oilers. And that period is really concentrated through the 1978, 79, and 1980 seasons under head coach Bum Phillips. Several Hall of Famers were on that team, including running back Earl Campbell, defensive end Elvin Bethay, linebacker Robert Brazil, and defensive tackle Curly Culp. A lot of other well-known 1970s NFL stars were on that team as well, including quarterback Dan Pastorini, receiver Kenny Burrow, Billy White Shoes Johnson, center Carl Mock, and linebacker Greg Bingham. A couple of other players made NFL history on that team, including receiver Mike Renfro and defensive back Vernon Perry. We'll hear from most of those Oilers in this program through interview clips taken from the book Red, White, and Columbia Blue and the documentary We Were the Oilers, the Love You Blue era, which I was fortunate enough to write and direct. And I thought this would be a good time to go over that really special team and why I think they are an important part of NFL history. And we're mostly going to focus 
on the 1978 and 79 Oilers. Few teams have touched the hearts of so many fans as those Oilers teams who went to -to back-to-back AFC championship games those two years with Bum Phillips, Earl Campbell, and Dan Pastorini, and an incredible defense. They had a great offensive line, too. Now, the Oilers lost both of those AFC Championship games for the 1978 and 1979 seasons at Pittsburgh. And that leads us right away to something that's going to show you how special those Houston Oilers teams were. After those AFC Championship games, the team returned home to a packed Astrodome. Fans came out to celebrate the Oilers and the season they had, even though the team had just lost the AFC Championship game. That first year, 1978, they came home to an estimated 40,000 fans. And the next year, it was estimated to be 60,000 or more. So think about that. Jubilant fans showed up to cheer and celebrate a team that had lost earlier in the day. In contrast, the Los Angeles Rams returned home after winning the 1979 NFC Championship game, and they were greeted by an estimated 3,000 fans. So that shows you how beloved those Houston Oilers were. What made the Houston Oilers so special during that time? And why were they so loved? We really had to see it to believe it. I've followed the NFL for over 40 years now, and it's hard to recall anything like the Love You Blue phenomenon of the Houston Oilers. The city of Houston just fell in love with the Oilers and their head coach, Bum Phillips, a man who owned a ranch, raised cattle, and wore cowboy boots and a Stetson hat on the sidelines during an era when most coaches wore suits and ties. In this clip from We Were the Oilers, quarterback Dan Pastorini, tight end Mike Barber, and defensive back Willie Alexander describe some of that Love You Blue sensation. The Love You Blue era was something special and magical in this town. The Houston Oilers became a family, not just with us, the players, but with the city itself. Wherever we went on the road, people loved the Oilers. They loved the Oilers because the stars aligned. If you remember, that was during the time of Urban Cowboy. That was during the time when the fashion in New York City was Western chic. And so here we've got a man who's our head coach, who's a real cowboy. Billy White Shoes Johnson added in that documentary that the Houston Oilers didn't just energize NFL fans, even opposing players got wrapped up in the Love You Blue excitement. We'd be playing games. Half midway during the game, a guy would ask, hey man, my contract's up next year. Tell Bum to look for me. You know, those, and, and I'm not the only one that has had people come up and tell them, hey man, what's it like next year? My contract's up. You think Bum will pick me up? That's how special that team was. The height of the hysteria started in 1978. Not in the autumn, but in the spring. 
The Oilers made a trade with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to obtain the first overall pick in the NFL draft. Every football fan in America knew what player Houston would select. Heisman Trophy winner Earl Campbell from Texas. Earl Campbell was an instant hit even before he arrived. He paid immediate dividends and scored the Oilers' first touchdown of the 1978 season in his first regular season game in the first quarter. Dan Pastorini remembered the moment in the documentary, We Were the Oilers. The first touchdown he scored was against Atlanta, and I threw him a little slip screen, we called it. it just, you know, come back and throw it to him. So it was a short, easy pass, and he caught it, which to my surprise, and then he took it 80 yards for a touchdown. I said, well, this is going to be fun. Here's a bit of historical trivia about that play. The official NFL stats called the play a lateral and counted it as a 73-yard rushing touchdown. So that run actually ended up being the difference in earning Campbell the NFL rushing title in 1978 as he finished 55 yards ahead of Walter Payton. Talk about a golden age of running backs with Earl Campbell and Walter Payton finishing 1-2 for the rushing crown. Let's go over Earl Campbell's outstanding rookie year, that 1978 Oilers season, and the growth of Love You Blue. By the way, 1978 was the first year the NFL had a 16-game schedule. The Oilers lost the season opener to Atlanta by six points. Now, a remarkable thing about the Oilers' 1978 season is that their first eight games were decided by a touchdown or less. Houston won five of those games, including a Monday night football win at Pittsburgh. That win really ramped up the Oilers-Steelers rivalry that was one of the best of the 1970s and especially of the late 1970s. The Steelers went into that Monday night game undefeated and the huge Oiler win lit a match in Houston's fan base. The Oilers were one of only three AFC teams that hadn't made the playoffs since the NFL-AFL merger. The win over the Steelers put the Oilers at 5-3 and three with a decent shot at the playoffs, especially considering it was a win within their division. That victory was one of three that defined that regular season for Houston and planted the cornerstone for the team's success that was to come. The second of those games was week 11 at New England. The Patriots at that time were a perennial playoff contender and owned legitimate Super Bowl chances. The freezing weather in Foxborough didn't help the Oilers and New England jumped out to a 23 to nothing lead in the second quarter. So you've got a scenario where an upstart team who hasn't made the playoffs in 10 years since the original AFL days, they play their home games indoors in a warm weather city. Now they're trailing by 23 points in the bitter cold against a perennial playoff team that would eventually win the very tough AFC East. 
most teams in that position are going to fold up their tents and move on to the next game. The Oilers weren't going to quit. And that is one of the defining characteristics of the Love You Blue era Houston Oilers. Houston not only didn't quit, they outscored New England 26 to nothing the rest of the way to win on the road in a hostile environment. Now, when you talk to a lot of Oiler players, they will tell you that that comeback against New England gave them something to look back on when they fell behind or faced adversity in future games. It was a huge win for the team, and it's the second largest comeback in Oilers-Titans franchise history, even today, as we're in the midst of the 2020 season. Another quick thing I'd like to bring up is that that comeback win is probably the best example of what's really overlooked about the Love You Blue era Oilers, and that's Dan Pastorini's leadership. He inspired both the offense and defensive units in that game to keep fighting, and the team rose to the occasion. Newspaper quotes from that game noted how Pastorini told everybody not to quit and to believe in their ability to come back, and the Oilers did. I mentioned earlier that Houston's first eight games were decided by a touchdown or less and that they had won five of those games throughout the entire 1978 regular season. 13 of the Oilers' 16 games were decided by a touchdown or less and the Oilers won 10 of those games. Dan Passerini's leadership was an essential part of winning those close games and getting into the playoffs. And of course, you can't forget Coach Bum Phillips and his role in motivating that team to win. Defensive back Willie Alexander spoke about the team's confidence in tight games and their coach Bum Phillips. When you talk about not quitting, uh, the key to it is having confidence. We had confidence that we could win. We had confidence that if, if there was time on the clock, if we were behind, we could come back. Or if we were ahead, we were going to maintain the lead. And that was just, I guess you can describe that as the, the team swagger. We were just a very confident group. And we're very talented. And we played together as a team. And I, and I got to give Bum the credit for that because he had all kind of little slogans, little sayings. And, and one in particular, I don't, I never understood what it meant, but you know, we all rallied behind it. And every, every, every man get one, every good man get two. So <laughs> it sounded good. And I guess we rallied around that battle cry that he would sort of give us every game. The games against the Steelers and the Patriots were signature regular season wins. But the Monday night football game at home against Miami is where Earl Campbell has been quoted as saying the Love You Blue era really launched itself. That game is widely regarded as one of the greatest games in Monday night football history and is a career defining game for Earl Campbell. He rushed for 199 yards and four touchdowns. His fourth touchdown was an 81-yard score in the fourth quarter that put the Oilers ahead 35-23 to in a game they eventually won 35-30. to 
Dan Passerini talked about that touchdown in the We Were the Oilers documentary. Bum told me, he said, just get a first down. I call toss 38 to Earl Campbell. He turns the corner and goes 80 yards for a touchdown. I come off the field like this to Bum, and he goes, we're seven points. The win over Miami gave Houston an 8-4 and four record, and the team would end up 10-6. and six. They finished second to the Steelers in the AFC Central Division, but made the playoffs as a wild card. If you've followed football for a long time, you've likely heard how difficult it is to beat good teams twice in one season. The Oilers traveled to Miami for the wild card game, and not many people gave the inexperienced Oilers much of a chance on the road against the Miami Dolphins team that won three straight AFC championships just a few years before that. The Oilers, however, played brilliantly on both sides of the ball and won the game 17-9. Their next opponent was the New England Patriots in Foxborough. The teams were scoreless in the second quarter when Pastorini made a play call that defensive end Andy Doris is going to tell us about right now. I remember one particular play, and everybody knew what this was, when, when Pastorini yelled, Bear! And then called a play, that means they was going for the ball. And so when he said bear, you could hear him on the sideline. Well, the defensive guys, we stood up. And I wanted to see what was going to happen. And he threw a bomb to Kenny Burroughs for about 60, 70 yards for a touchdown. That play ignited a 21-point second quarter for Houston, who went on to beat New England 31-14. to So you had a team that hadn't been to the playoffs in 10 years upset two perennial playoff teams back-to-back on the road. You can imagine how excited Houston was as a city to see their team win like that in the NFL playoffs. It's also important to point out that at that time, Houston was a growing city and its economy was doing well. Houston was an exciting place to be, and the Oilers were an exciting team that the city identified with and took pride in. Earl Campbell was a legitimate superstar in his first year in the NFL, and the team gained fans nationwide. Dan Passerini toughed out the end of the regular season and the playoffs with broken ribs and was the first quarterback to play wearing a flak jacket, something You see quarterbacks wearing every game in today's NFL. Houston's 1978 Cinderella story came to an end in Pittsburgh in an AFC championship game that was never really close. The teams played in an icy rain that hindered both squads. There were 14 turnovers in that game. You heard that right. 14 turnovers in the AFC championship game. The Oilers turned the ball over nine times. Pittsburgh won easily at home and went on to beat the Dallas Cowboys in a very exciting Super Bowl thirteen. The Oilers returned home from the AFC Championship game to a surprise. Tens of thousands of fans greeted them at the Astrodome. The players couldn't believe it. Houston's defensive coordinator Ed Biles told the story. 
Nobody wanted to go there. We're thinking, that, well, we're going to go there. There'll be 200 people there. And we land, get on the buses, and kind of strange going down the interstate, getting to there. All the people were lined up. Well, now, when they opened up that door, we went down that ramp, get in there, and the place was packed. I mean, that was probably one of the greatest things to remember the fans uh, and the goosebumps you got. A very successful 1978 NFL season for the Houston Oilers. It excited the team. It excited the fans, and there was a lot of hope going into the 1979 season. In red, white, and Columbia blue, wide receiver Rich Castor said that he and the rest of the team felt great about the upcoming season. I'd had a pretty good season that, that first year down there and uh, was really looking forward to getting into the, the crux of the 1979 season, which would have been my, my second year there. We can only get better than what we were the year before is what we felt. The new book, Red, White, and Columbia Blue, covers the season in detail on a game-by-game basis with quotes from many of the team's players. But we'll go over just some of the season's highlights here. The Oilers played three of their first four games on the road in 1979, and they won three of their first four games. The team overcame quite a bit of adversity to get those wins as quarterback Dan Pastorini suffered from an arm injury and was later knocked out of a loss at Pittsburgh. Billy White Shoes Johnson suffered a devastating knee injury in week two at Pittsburgh that forced him to miss the remainder of the season. Gifford Nielsen was the Oilers starting quarterback in their home opener against Kansas City. And Houston won that game in week three. Their fourth game of the season is a big part of the storyline. Houston played at Cincinnati and found themselves down 24 to nothing in the first half. Remember that game against New England when they were down 23 to nothing in 1978? That New England game gave the Oilers some confidence in their ability to come back. And the Oilers roared back against Cincinnati to win in overtime. That 24-point come-from-behind win remains a franchise record for the Oilers-Titans franchise. And although that comeback is historic in Oilers history, the most memorable regular season games for the Oilers that year came against the reigning NFC and AFC champions. The Oilers played the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas on Thanksgiving Day, and it's truly one of the best Thanksgiving Day games ever. It was an exciting game that featured the reigning NFC champion against the AFC runner-up. And from the start, you knew it was going to be a special game. The game started with Cowboys quarterback Roger Staubach throwing a long touchdown to Drew Pearson. And the Oilers countered right back with a long touchdown run by Earl Campbell. At one point in the game, the Cowboys pulled ahead by 11 points, but the Oilers stormed back. In the fourth quarter, Houston trailed by six when Pastorini called a play-action pass, and the play left star receiver Kenny Burrow one-on-one, and Pastorini hit Burrow for a game-winning 32-yard touchdown that Burrow talked about, and we were the Oilers. All you had to do was give Dan one step, 
and I gave this guy this move, and he went for it, and I caught the post. At that time, we won the game, and I never felt that good in my life. That win over Dallas made the Oilers the first team to win 10 games in 1979. If you're into football strategy, both the book Red, White, and Columbia Blue and the documentary We Were the Oilers go much more in depth about the offensive play calling and defensive matchups that helped Houston win that game on Thanksgiving. It's a bit too long to go into on this podcast, but for those of you who enjoy football strategy, you'll definitely enjoy those parts. The other big regular season game in 1979 for the Houston Oilers was Week 15, Monday Night Football at home against Pittsburgh. Every fan attending the game received a Love You Blue flashcard to hold up. The atmosphere matched that of the Miami Monday night game the previous year, and the result was just as thrilling for Houston fans as the Oilers squeaked out a 20-17 to win. Running back Rob Carpenter scored what proved to be the game-winning touchdown. His touchdown was enabled by an excellent block by Earl Campbell. And that's another thing about that Houston Oilers team that often gets overlooked. Earl Campbell was an outstanding blocker. His great running ability overshadowed that fact, but if you get a chance to see some of his games, be sure to pay attention because he often pulled a key block when another running back scored or got a fair amount of yardage. And indeed, Rob Carpenter also was a great blocker. That win over Pittsburgh on Monday night meant the Oilers split the regular season matchup with the Steelers for the third year in a row, but Pittsburgh still won the division. Houston's 11-5 record earned them a wild card game at home, and the Oilers hosted the Denver Broncos. The game was a brutal hard-hitting contest. Earl Campbell pulled a groin muscle, and so did quarterback Dan Pastorini. Ken Burrow also suffered from a lingering injury, and as a result, Houston's three biggest offensive stars were absent for most of the second half. Houston's defense played great, and the Oilers had the lead when Campbell left the game close to halftime, and Houston hung on to win 13-7. to Defensive back Vernon Perry made an incredible play to knock down a pass in the end zone to stop the Broncos' last chance to win. The Oilers moved on to the 1979 AFC Divisional Playoffs against the San Diego Chargers. This is Hal Rosenberg from the Big C Sports Network. Reporting live from sunny San Diego, where today, in the AFC playoffs, the Houston Oilers will be facing the high-flying offense of the San Diego Chargers. The Chargers finished the season with a 12-4 record and are the top seed in the AFC. San Diego quarterback Dan Fouts set an all-time single-season record for passing yards this year. Houston certainly has their work cut out for them this afternoon 
as running back Earl Campbell, quarterback Dan Pastorini, and receiver Ken Burrow are all expected to miss today's action. Stay tuned to your local Basie Sports Network affiliate for updates throughout the afternoon. The Oilers would be without Earl Campbell, Dan Pastorini, and Ken Burrow, their three biggest offensive weapons. So most people didn't give the Oilers a chance to win. Defensive back Vernon Perry and receiver Mike Renfro talked about the days leading up to the game in the We Were the Oilers documentary. Pastorini got hurt, Kenny Burrows got hurt, and Earl got hurt. But they never said anything about our defense. They was talking about the offense. Other than the people in that locker room, I don't know if there was anybody in the country that thought we could win that game. The Air Coriel show in San Diego was second to none. Charlie Joyner, John Jefferson, Kellen Winslow, and their quarterback, Dan Fouts, were all going to the Pro Bowl. In his interview for the book, Red, White, and Columbia Blue, Oilers Hall of Fame defensive end Elvin Bethay added that the fact that Dan Fouts set the NFL's single-season passing record that year up the ante for the Oiler defense. I love the challenge, especially when you're in the playoffs, too. And everybody, Dan Fouts, this, this, and he's the greatest player to throw a ball. And that was a challenge to see all of this in the paper, how great he was, how great the team was. And so that put a challenge to me, and each one of us. He also talked about head coach Bum Phillips and how much he coached the players to step up to that challenge. Each team, every time you play a game, you want to prove a point that, hey, we're better than you, and, and that was the greatest thing. We always challenge ourselves, and, and Bum was the centerpiece of that. He, he didn't, didn't scream, didn't holler, didn't jump up and down. He'd just say something corny or crazy, hang on to the rope. That was one of his mottos. In that hang on to the rope as a team, which we did. That was the greatest thing that uh, he instilled in each one of us. Uh, that that we, and he challenged each one of us. He'd go around and talk to every guy and uh, just find out where they were and he'd try to bring them up to where they should be. Gifford Nielsen started at quarterback for the Oilers against San Diego, and Rob Carpenter did a fine job of filling in for Earl Campbell despite an ankle injury that had him on crutches the day before the game. But it was really Vernon Perry's day. Vernon made four interceptions for the Oilers, and that remains an NFL playoff record. He also blocked a field goal in that game. An outstanding defensive effort. And it seemed like Everybody wearing a Columbia blue uniform that day stepped up their game to an even higher level. And that's a characteristic of that era Houston Oilers that they share with some of the best teams in NFL history. And that's when adversity showed up, players not only rose to the occasion, they elevated their game. The Oilers scored a touchdown on a daring fourth and goal at the end of the first half. And in the third quarter, Mike Renfro outran almost the entire San Diego defense on a 47-yard reception 
that proved to be the game-winning touchdown in a 17-14 to win, which is still one of the most cherished victories in franchise history. Oilers defensive end Andy Doris talked about the team's mindset that day and a unique visitor coming into their locker room after the game. This is a clip from an interview for Red, White, and Columbia Blue. We had to pull it up a little bit, you know. We had to bring it up a notch or two. And we were fine with that challenge. We just made our minds up. We were going to get this done. And actually, Don Coriel came in our locker room afterwards and congratulated us on showing what tough was, is what he said. So that was a hell of a compliment. That's how great that win was. Even Charger head coach Don Coriel admired the Love You Blue Houston Oilers. The Oilers shocked the football world, and earned a trip to the 1979 AFC Championship game. That game was played at Three Rivers Stadium in Pittsburgh and is famous for one of the most controversial calls in NFL history. We'll get to that in a moment. Earl Campbell and Dan Pastorini both started for Houston. The Oilers grabbed a 7-0 lead early when Vernon Perry intercepted Terry Bradshaw's pass and returned it for a touchdown. Houston owned a 10-3 lead in the second quarter before the Steelers surged ahead 17-10 at halftime. The score stayed that way until the tail end of the third quarter. The Oilers drove from about their own 15-yard line to a first and goal on the Steelers' seven for the most famous play in Houston Oilers history. Pastorini took the snap and quickly threw to Mike Renfro in the end zone. Millions of people watching the game assumed they had just seen a touchdown. NBC announcers Dick Enberg and Merlin Olson were convinced that it was a touchdown when they saw the replay. The officials, however, weren't sure. There was a lot of confusion around the play, and officials weren't sure whether Renfro landed inbounds with possession of the ball. Here's what Mike Renfro and tight end Mike Barber remembered about the play for the We Were the Oilers documentary. Mike Renfro is speaking first. As I got up, assuming to see touchdown, I felt very confident that I was inbounds. I'd kind of made a career of making those kind of catches, even back in high school. But it was close, and I knew that too. So I was hoping for a signal. And uh, that referee, uh, Donald Orr, who I actually got to know later in life, his eyes were just about to pop out of his head. He, he didn't know what to call. I heard the referee that was supposed to make the call, look to the other guy and say, I didn't see it, did you? And the other guy said, I didn't see it. And I knew right then and there, it's not going to go our way. There wasn't instant replay review in the NFL back then. Jim Tunney was the head referee and called the pass incomplete. Side judge Donald Orr has since said, in an interview for his alma mater Vanderbilt's website that he was responsible for watching for possession and another official was supposed to watch the receiver's feet 
to check if Renfro was in bounds. Orr was quoted as saying the other official on the other side of the goalpost didn't see what happened. So again, there was a lot of confusion around that play. The officials huddled and decided to call it incomplete. That call remains one of the most controversial calls in NFL history. The Renfro play also likely led to the NFL approving replay for help with calls much faster. The Oilers settled for a field goal on the first play of the fourth quarter. That made the score 17-13. to Pittsburgh scored 10 points in the fourth quarter and forced a fumble on the Oilers' attempt to tie the game when it was 20-13. to And the Steelers won 27-13 to and went on to win Super Bowl fourteen. The Renfro play was heavily discussed after the game, and like I said, it's still highly controversial today. After the game, Sports Illustrated quoted Steelers great Joe Green as saying that he was upset about the call because people might question if the Steelers really would have won. Mike Renfro reflected on the play in We Were the Oilers, and shared what some of the Steelers players have said to him about the play years later. You know, maybe maybe we would have won, maybe we wouldn't have. Um, I see people like Joe Green and some of these great Steelers from time to time, and they remind me that, Mike, that was a heck of a catch. But, you know, at the end of the day, you were not going to get the trophy. Dan Pastorini has since told me that he liked the Oilers' chances tied going into the fourth quarter. The Oilers would have had momentum, he said, and they could have mixed up their play calling better in a tie game or down by merely a field goal, which is what happened on Pittsburgh's next possession. As an NFL fan, I really would have loved to have seen that AFC Championship game go tied into the last quarter. Based on the games between Pittsburgh and Houston in the late 70s, it probably would have been pretty awesome. The team split their regular season games in 77, 78, and 79. And in 78 and 79, only one of those regular season games wasn't truly decided until some point in the fourth quarter. And even the 1979 AFC Championship game wasn't fully decided until late in the fourth quarter. So if that game was tied going into the fourth quarter, we might be talking about one of the great finishes in NFL history rather than one of the most controversial calls. The 1979 Oilers returned to another raucous homecoming at the Astrodome directly after their plane landed in Houston. Linebacker Robert Brazil and center Carl Mock said that the players were surprised that it was even bigger than the previous year's celebration. I rode in on the bus, and I was always up front. So I was one of the first one to get off the bus, and me and Vernon got on the back of a mounted police horse, and we rode around the Astrodome on a horse. To, to sum that up, man, I can't imagine what that city would have been like if we would have won. To lose a game and to fly into a place like Houston, I've never in my whole life Houston like this. The whole city stopped what they're doing to come out to cheer a team on that they love and 
Jared during that time, Big Brother, Houston, all of them. I've never seen that many people in Nashville, though. I've never seen that many people on the outskirts, on the freeways, blowing, hoping, cheering us on like we have won a game. Somebody said, we might have a little trouble getting into the Astrodome. He said, well, it's a full house, and that's hard to believe. But then, you know, when we got to the Astrodome, you could see there's all these cars. So they drove us right into the stadium. We got out. It was, it was wild. It was a celebration of the season we had. That's how much the city of Houston loved the Oilers. And the Oilers loved the city of Houston back. People celebrate the Love You Blue Oilers to this day. The players are still highly revered in the city, and they also do a lot of charity events together. And that's another thing to point out about those late 1970s Oilers. They became like a family, and they still are like a family today. The Oilers started the 1980s season off with one major change. The team traded starting quarterback Dan Pastorini to the Oakland Raiders for their starting quarterback, Ken Stabler. Pastorini started the first five games for the Raiders before a broken leg ended his season. Ken Stabler led the Oilers to a wild card berth in the 1980 playoffs. Ironically, the Oilers played the Raiders at Oakland. Houston lost that game 27 to 7 and Bum Phillips was fired as the Oilers head coach a few days later. The Love You Blue Houston Oilers era pretty much came to a close after that. Those Houston Oilers were a special team with a lot of special players who created great memories for their fans. They're an important team in NFL history because of that relationship with their fan base and their success on the field. Four players made the Pro Football Hall of Fame so far. Earl Campbell, Elvin Bethay, Robert Brazil, and Curly Culp. Eleven players were named All-Pro or All-Conference between 1978, 79, and 80. The team didn't win any championships, not even a division championship, since the team of the 70s was in their division but they did win the hearts of fans across the country. They were the only AFC team to make the playoffs three years in a row in the 1978, 79, and 80 seasons. Their regular season record over those three seasons was 32-16. and 16. They won two playoff games in back-to-back -back seasons, and only one other NFL team won at least two playoff games in back-to-back -back seasons over that three-year period, and that was their division rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Head coach Bum Phillips liked to say, beat the teams you should beat, split the games with the teams as good as you, and let the chips fall where they may. The chips didn't fall Houston's way in terms of getting to the Super Bowl. The friendships and memories remain priceless for the members of that team, however, and so do the memories their fans share. It was a special time for the players, the fans, and the city of Houston. Oilers wide receiver Rich Caster summed it up. I can say that the three years I spent in Houston with the Oilers were the best years that I can remember in my life. 
and that's not only playing football. It's like everything was going. I was starting my family and everything. Houston Oilers, love you, Blue. Uh, just love the, the atmosphere and love being associated with the Love You Blue legacy. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Game Before the Money podcast. You can learn more about the new book, Red, White, and Columbia Blue, Chasing the Dream with the 1979 Houston Oilers, and the DVD, We Were the Oilers, The Love You Blue Era, at Houston79.com. That's Houston79.com. A very special thanks to all of the Houston Oilers who have graciously interviewed with me throughout the years. Don't forget that transcripts of the Game Before the Money podcast are available at thegamebeforethemoney.com and are powered by our transcription partner, Sonics. S-O-N-I-X. Visit sonics.ai to learn more.